Hey everyone, and welcome back to New Way, the podcast that explores the connections between people, their communities, and the ways that context shapes faith. I'm your host, Sarah Hayden. Our guest today is someone who has a beautiful and tender story to tell of the significance of community, the exploration of one's own identity and pride. Not one of our campers, not a single one, walked in without a scar, either visible or invisible. Every single one of their bodies had already started keeping score to what it is to live in the world. And to watch little ones, to see the marks on their arms or on their legs, to see scars of self-harm, to see scars and to experience or to hear of scars of the mental anguish that so many of them have been in. I was struck and still continue to be heart ripped open by the sheer resiliency of so many of these kids. I think of the image of God like enfolding little chicks under God's wings, right? Like that's how I feel. I just want to give them a safe space and protect them from the world because it doesn't have to be this way. And I see scars that just could have been prevented, not because of apparent failure, not because of whatever, but could have been prevented if we as a collective, as humanity, just knew how to love each other better. Today, we're back with part two of my conversation with pastor, new worshiping community leader, and co-founder of The Kingdom Camp, the Reverend Peppa Paniagua. In this episode, what success looks like at Kingdom Camp, the life-saving importance of equipping people to affirm LGBTQIA youth, and navigating conversations of faith, especially in the midst of harmful theologies. As we jump in, we pick up talking more about Kingdom Camp and the challenge of carrying the stories of those who bear deep wounds. I mean, it's, it's, there's a fearlessness to it. I know you carry the burden. We were talking before our production of like how, what our shoulders carry, yeah. like our body keeps the score of like the weight of the things that we care about and especially those whom we care mm-hmm. about and who we fight for. Mm-hmm. And maybe practical training would tell us like you anticipate the shifts that need to happen to keep people safe. But I think to a certain extent when the rubber meets the road. Mm-hmm. We don't always know how, I will say the gospel, you know, the wide welcome of the mm-hmm. gospel can affect and change communities and people's lives when we do fling open the doors and walk with folks who have been told by the church, mm-hmm. not only do you have to choose this or this mm-hmm. to access basic human support, like using the bathroom right. and how impossible that is but also the fact that entire theologies are constructed to keep people out. Yeah. Well, and those theologies right now are taking center stage in so much of the legislation here. It's wild the ways that fear and bigotry have taken hold here in the state of Texas. And I I understand there are a lot of Texans that disagree. I'm one of them. But It is hard to live in a place and to do the work of almost providing a counter narrative. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about like the body keeping score, there's no training that I think anybody could have offered that would have prepared me for the weight of like the week before camp, recognizing that 
it's me. Like if the rubber hits the road and we have a crisis or we have something off, like it's me and I step in and I'm the person. And to also then have to have conversations about like so much of the work that we do is actually on the precipice of becoming illegal here in the state of Texas, right? Like those are all things that we take into consideration. And it's so wild because all we're trying to do is love kids. Like all we're trying to do. And honestly, more than that, all we're trying to do is help them understand that it's worth surviving. That is the thing, right? Like I get asked, what does success look like for camp? Like, is it a certain number of camps? Is it a certain number of campers? Is it X, Y, and Z? And for me, success looks like giving these kids enough hope. And I don't even know if this is reasonable, but giving them enough hope and just enough of whatever it is to help them know that whatever comes, they're not alone and that it can be better and that their life is worth living. Because so many of these kids, like we had little babies, like, and I shouldn't call them babies, but 11 year olds who had already dealt with whether or not they should be on the earth, right. Who had already contemplated ending their life. And that's as a person of faith, as a person who believes in the wide expansive love of God that is without end, it is unfathomable to me what we are doing to these young people and what's being done in the name of bad theology, right? In the name of harmful theology. Because, I mean, even the word God for some of these kids is triggering. And so we had to really cultivate new language around faith that wasn't hurtful to these sweet souls that just needed to know that they're loved. Hmm. Peppa, what kind of scars do you see figuratively Mm -hmm. and literally? So not one of our campers, not a single one, walked in without a scar, either visible or invisible. Every single one of their bodies had already started keeping score to what it is to live in the world. And to watch little ones, to see the marks on their arms or on their legs, to see scars of self-harm, to see scars and to experience or to hear of scars of the mental anguish that so many of them have been in, I was struck and still continued to be kind of heart ripped open by the sheer resiliency of so many of these kids. I think of the image of God, like enfolding little chicks under God's wings, right? Like that's how I feel. I just want to give them a safe space and protect them from the world because it doesn't have to be this way, I think, right? And I see scars that just could have been prevented, not because of apparent failure, not because of whatever, but could have been prevented if we as a collective, as humanity, just knew how to love each other better. Yeah. The thing that also kept playing in my mind all week long, and it's the statistics for suicide ideation or attempted suicide in the LBGTQIA plus community is outrageously high, and it's exponentially higher than it is in other communities. But that percentage rate goes down by 40% if a young person has just one affirming adult. And like... (laughs) I was like, wait a minute, it just takes one person and we get a 40% shot at like keeping this kid alive. Great. Okay. So our goal is to just be the one, right? And how many kids can we help if we just start equipping 
the adults in their lives to be the one, right? Like, and that for me was a driving force in this ministry too, is like, I can't be the one for everybody, but I can sure as heck teach other people how to be the one. And I can sure as heck give opportunity for other people to be the one. So that was a huge part of this ministry too with camp that I'm really proud of is the young adults and the adults that we've put in place to support these kids so that they have a network of support other and in addition to their parents, yeah. right? And their families of origin. For me, that's it. Like if we can just be the one. Will you walk us through a day at camp? Mm-hmm. So as with every morning comes the grumble and the like gentle, it's time to get up. Like, so we get up, we go to breakfast. Breakfast is usually pretty quiet until the kids have gotten to eat mm-hmm. and until the adults have gotten their coffee. Mm-hmm. And from breakfast, we go into large group time morning celebration where we move our bodies and we sing some silly songs. And, you know, it's like the traditional morning at camp. We have activity blocks. We break for lunch. We have more activity blocks. So those activity blocks look like arts and crafts, canoeing, axe throwing, archery, zip lining, like all the super fun camp things. But also then we have things like a round table with a mental health professional to talk about coping mechanisms at school and space to ask a trans man or a trans woman questions about what it is to grow up trans. And we have queer history. We have space to engage faith. One of the things that we're doing differently this year that we didn't do last year is we're making all of our conversations about faith explicit, but we're making them opt in. So we'll have space for theological discussion. We'll have space for faith-based conversation that campers can sign up for. We just learned that last year it's easier for us to weave in not such explicit faith language in the large group space and then save space for more intentional conversation around faith for campers who are ready to have that conversation and in a mental space that's stable enough to have those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, we have makeup tutorials and we're just really blessed. Like the number of people in the community that have come forward and offered their artistry and their time to make this incredible. We have makeup artists, we have hairstylists, we have licensed therapists that come, we have social workers that come, behavioral therapists that come to just be here to support these kids. It's pretty incredible. How amazing. (laughs) We'll be right back. Friends, you're listening to New Way, the podcast that explores the connections between people, their communities, and the ways that context shapes faith. I'm your host, Sarah Hayden. Today's guest is the Reverend Peppa Paniagua, pastor and co-founder of a summer camp for queer teens called Kingdom. During this short break, we wanted to let you know You can find links to the resources mentioned in our podcast and an audio transcript of our episodes online at newchurchnewway.org. You can also subscribe or follow our podcast on all the major podcast platforms, including Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google. And now back to my conversation with Peppa. I just love how the components of camp are laser focused at the results you're trying to achieve. And anyone running an organization probably wouldn't argue that that's a good principle to follow. Try to do the things that would enable the outcomes you're looking for. Mm -hmm. But I think often in religious communities, we've 
gotten a free pass or like kind of just been at its best, not thinking about the fact that the things we do have an effect on communities and on people. Mm -hmm. Like people take away stuff from the experience. Mm -hmm. So if we want people to learn this stuff, then we talk about learning this stuff. But I think what you're saying about allowing folks to trusting people to respond honestly to the invitation Mm -hmm. that, hey, this is going to be a conversation about faith, or we're going to look at this particular thing together in scripture. And this is how long it's going to be. And this is the format that you actually get better results. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, how many people, you can raise your hand if you're listening to this podcast, are sitting in the sanctuary at 11 a.m. on Sunday morning, not getting that much out of it. Right. Or like the expressed or unexpressed, sometimes we're fairly ambiguous about what the purpose is of worship Mm -hmm. or confused about what the purpose is of, say, a small group or a Bible study. We try for each component to be all the things for everybody. Right. And to do like you come to worship regularly every week, then I believe, Peppa, I, I don't know if this resonates with you, but like sometimes in religious community, we behave as though that ticks all the boxes productively. Yes. I will have a community. I will feel empowered to live as a generous person. I will be a <laughs> courageous member of the Christian church. Right. I will feel close to God. I will understand what I'm called to be as a human. I will make sense of my faith. That's a big task for an event that is inherently not dialogical in most churches. But instead you have this camp. I mean, it's like, okay, this workshop could enable this outcome Mm -hmm. or the ways in which we gather is allowing us to form friendships with other youth who are going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. I'm geeking out a little bit on like those kinds of concepts, but I think it's just striking to me the difference between what we've settled for Mm -hmm. and what is actually possible. Yes. Yes. One of the things that happened during camp is we were in the camp worship space and there was a performance going on. And everybody was dancing, everybody was singing, everybody was jumping, everybody was so fully embodied in the moment. And one of the women who was there later looked at me and was like, that's like one of the most holy things I've ever seen in my life. And I said, "Mm mm-hmm, because there were no rules of like, sit and be quiet. There was no rules of listen, right? Like we have the rules of respect to the people who are talking, all the things, right? But there was invitation, right? There was invitation to participate and invitation to show up as you are. And throughout the week, there's invitation to be curious and invitation to know each other. And so there's, yes, like what you said about what we settle for. Like I, if I'm honest, and I get asked this all the time, like when will Kingdom ever do like a in-person worship gathering. And really what people are asking so often is like, when is kingdom going to just like do a church service? And our answer is probably never (laughs) because what we've done is every, like after camp, everything we do is in response to the needs of the community. And so it's to create an outcome. So we host young adult gatherings that are super low bar. Like you could literally just show up. There's no agenda and they're in community spaces. We host them because it's hard to make friends as an adult. Right. And we are going to host what we're calling coffee house 
that will be space for conversation, but it's not going to be just one person, me getting up and talking for an hour. It's going to be, hey, we're going to sing a couple of communal songs. We're going to have a topic for the night and we're going to just be together in conversation. And the wisdom in the room will be just as important, if not more so than whatever wisdom I would bring. Right. And so the intention behind it is so that we can be in relationship. And that's, I mean, honestly, as much as I love church, I think that's so, we have sold ourselves and we've sold God short by just limiting it to 90 minutes or less once a week, um, where you go in and you hardly talk to anybody or hardly share life with anybody. We want people to share life with us. That's what we want. We just want to share life together. Because it's just easier to do it together than it is to do it by ourselves. Mm. And I think church, like we have such an opportunity to step into that and to actually model what it is to do life together rather than individually. This is going to sound like a silly question after my whole thing about like one person shouldn't say all the things in worship. (laughs) So I'll say it anyways. I'll ask you the question. Yeah. You as a clergy person. Yeah. In a mainline Protestant denomination, being who you are and mm-hmm. all the beauty and glory of your identity, if you were to say something in those gatherings, like say the coffee house, maybe it's, you know, not a 15 minute sermon, but it's a word, it's a blessing, it's a phrase. What do you want people to hear from you? And is it important for you to say the words? So, no, I don't. Th- well, mm. I think in some circles, it's important for me to say the words, because I think in some circles, I represent something that is not often thought possible. Hmm. I recognize that in some spaces, like the number of times I've walked into spaces and people say, well, wait a minute, you're a pastor and you're queer. Like that's allowed. I mean, there are some people who look at me and go, wait, you're a girl and Mm -hmm. you're a pastor. Like, whoa. And then when I throw in queer, they're like, wait a minute. So I recognize that by the virtue of who I am, there is importance for my voice to be heard. But I'm also very clear that my voice is not the only important voice in the room. And the thing that I have said from the very beginning of Kingdom Community and the thing that I try to end everything that we do with is just you are loved. You are loved, you are loved, you are loved. Because so like, that's just the thing, right? And that is something that people, for me, that's been like the most easy way to do discipleship because people, if you ask them to talk about sharing the love of Jesus Christ, like people stumble all over it and they're like, like, I no, thank you. (laughs) But if you just start with you are loved, period, people have no problem saying that to other people or like wearing it on a shirt, like our pride shirts last year just said you are loved on them and had the kingdom logo. And we see those shirts everywhere. Mm. Like people show up to pick up their kids at school in them. Like they're Mm. just like, people are proud to wear that shirt because it's a message that's really clear. And to me is like the easiest way to understand who God is and what God is really about is that we're loved like first and foremost. Right. So that's what, that's it for me at the risk of sounding a bit blasphemous. Like I really actually don't have too much stake in whether or not a person comes to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Like that's not for everybody. I do care that people know that they're loved. I do care that out of knowing that they then 
are equipped to help other people know that. That's what I care about. Mm. This is a something, Peppa, that we've asked folks, if you could name a practice or a question that you would like to invite our listeners to consider, what would it be? Mm. So I have a few thoughts. One is be gentle with yourself. Like the world is a hard place. So do what you can to tend to yourself. So take a minute, like everybody is worthy of two minutes of breath. So take two minutes to just put your feet on the ground. If you can get it in grass or dirt or water, do that and just feel your breath in your body. That's something that has been so life-giving for me. And in thinking about the idea of being integrated, right? Like so much of the world asks us to disassociate from our bodies and ourselves. And so it helps us to get in the practice of being back in our bodies. But the thing I think about externally is how can we, if you're listening, how can we be the one for somebody else? Like how can we be an affirming, loving presence for people around us? And I think we can broaden that scope, right? Like, it doesn't just have to be for a young person in the queer community. It can just be for people. Like how can we be someone who is a space of love and affirmation for people? Cause to me, like when I think about Jesus at like the last supper, like Jesus wasn't like, okay, so here are the policies and procedures I'd like you to uphold. <laughs> here are the things like, this is exactly how you have to break the bread and exactly what an how interesting you have- point, Papa. <laughs> Like Jesus was just like, love one another. Mm. Like, love one another. It is imperative that you love one another. And so that urgency to me carries forward, right? And in a world, like our world is just so hard and so angry all the time. And so to the best that we can be gentle with ourselves, but then do our best to be love to one another and to love one another well, how can we just do that? How can we be the one for somebody else? That's what I always think about. Mm. Thanks for helping us be brave. I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for the conversation in the space. So thank you. Friends, that's it for part two of my conversation with Peppa Paniagua. But that's not the end of Kingdom Camp. To find out more about what's happening at camp or to sponsor these incredible life-changing weeks, check out Peppa's website, Kingdom, K-I-N-D-O-M, community.org, and click the camp tab at the top of the screen. There's another camp coming up late July in Texas. And as they say at Kingdom, if you want to be here, we want you here. Stay tuned for next week when we move from Peppa Paniagua to Amy Miracle. It's the summer of amazing names and even more amazing sheroes and heroes. You can get that episode sent right to you by subscribing to New Way, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Sarah Hayden. Our fabulous producer is Martha Ames Sanders. You can always visit us online and see archives of all of our episodes at newchurchnewway.org. Catch you next time.